Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Hey, Sandy, good morning. What do you got morning. for us this morning? Hey, morning, Blake and Aaron. How are just, you guys doing? Just say yes or no. Did they catch the, the person on foot in pursuit? Um, we don't have any confirmation, but I do believe they did. Good. Um, I don't have any reason to believe that they haven't been caught, so... Okay. Um, yes, I think that uh, we'll probably get some sort of an official update. So there was a police chase in case everybody's like, what's going on? Yeah, Aaron was uh, was in front of the white yeah. van that got smashed into. That the cops yeah. were not letting us move out of the way. They weren't They weren't directing traffic. They should have directed us out of the way so... if they knew it was a high-speed police chase coming at us. Anyway. Yeah, so there was a police chase yesterday. Um, it was a bit of excitement in the afternoon. Quite a few people witnessed uh, portions of it and sort of saw you know, what was going on. So pretty scary that Aaron just happened to have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was but, inches yeah. away from being hit by the uh, yeah. by the white car, by the white van. Mm-hmm. If it was a Honda Fit, I don't know how 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 well they'd be today. Anyway, yeah. So pretty crazy, and I completely understand how you feel, Aaron, because I've uh, been in a similar situation with a police chase. Okay. Um, so Offreg is investigating what they say is slow internet and mobile service in Little Cayman. They had a community meeting um, several days ago where they were able to meet with the little Cayman residents, all 200 of them, but <laughs> 95 of them showed up and uh, residents and business owners saying that they've been struggling for a while. And so um, now Offreg has launched an official investigation, but we've been told that Flo is now on it and hopefully this will make something happen relatively soon. All right, Sam, we hey. got to jump, we gotta jump yeah. on the 89.1 FM. We'll yeah. see you tomorrow yeah. for the Friday headline. Premier Wayne awesome. Hatton is going to be on the show just after Yeah, that. join us right now. All right, Aaron, what you got coming up? Bigger. On next. Ooh, the- bigger. Bigger. Better. Better. Bolder. Bolder. The cold, hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea. And committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record I've come to shine the light on you. Let me introduce myself. I am the cold heart Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman, live direct it's the cold hard truth now now join the conversation on 345-936-2626 that number again is 
Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. It is February the 9th already. Can you imagine? Um, mm -hmm. So uh, good conversation on um, tap for you today. Good morning to everyone. I do have a hard, and I do mean a hard, stop this morning um, to get out of here. So I'm just making sure that I am as organized with my time markers as possible. Good morning. The show is uh, sponsored by at Burger King. Thank you so much, Burger King, for sponsoring several of our shows every single week, brought to you courtesy of Burger King, making it possible for you to, for us to bring you even more exciting content. So um, they have lots of wonderful breakfast options at Burger King. Just FYI, if you're not in a diet like myself, go and enjoy one of those. And even if you are in a diet, there are some healthier choices that are available on the menu. So today, folks, we've got a Premier Access that is back and in full swing. Really, really tickled pink. I know a lot of you have been, um, you know, just messaging me nonstop, I should say. When is the Premier coming back? Well, the answer is today. He's coming back today, honey chill. So um, let me just remove this uh, little image here. Yes, my darling, he's coming back today. So what we're going to do is, this is, um, we're going to be talking about the National Conservation Law, of course, which has been, you know, the hot topic of the minute. You know, last night I went to a function. I'm going to tell you guys about that tomorrow because this is a really good, um, it was, I'm glad that I went. It's something that I want you guys to really, really support uh, in relation to um, recovering addicts. And um, <clears throat> they had a little sort of, you know, uh, reception afterwards, just, you know, a couple of drinks or whatever. And so I was speaking to someone um, who, you know, lives here in the Cayman Islands and he was, <laughs> the conversation was so interesting, but I'm going to save that for you guys. Needless to say, he was also of the opinion that, oh my gosh, why do people get so attached to certain conversations? Like, you know, there've been issues of national importance and things that we really needed to be jumping on. And uh, those things did not garner the type of attention that this did. And I said, you know, sir, um, I do believe, quite frankly, that there are a number of reasons for that. Um, some of them logical in terms of human nature. And quite frankly, humans are very illogical. <laughs> I don't know if I told you all this, but we are. And so sometimes, despite the fact that we wish to believe um, that we operate on logic as the foundation of making decisions, the truth is most humans um, operate on emotions. We're very emotional creatures and, you know, we have an idea in our head and whether that idea is right or wrong or scientifically based, we're going to stick to it almost no, almost to the death. It's like, no matter what, yeah, that's my idea. Um, you know, I always try to encourage people to sometimes don't, don't be so quick to decide about something one way or the other. Um, you know, kind of kind of sit back and take a minute and reflect on whether a position um, is worth you uh, taking, you know, saying yes on this, yes or no. And the other thing that we were discussing, and he said, is it my imagination? He's a little bit older, I must say. But he says, um, you know, somebody says the wrong show is playing on Bobo. I don't know what that means. <laughs> How can the wrong show be playing if it's a live show? Uh, the wrong show is playing on Bobo. Huh. Okay. Now that's a new one for me. 
Um, it's supposed to be a live show, so I have no clue what that even means. Uh, I don't know how that's possible. Anyway, all right. Well, we will certainly we will certainly inquire about that one. There's always a first for everything. Uh, so anyway, you know, he was inquiring um, about whether or not. Um, oh. I'm not in Bobo. Okay. All right. Ugh, I don't know what's going on this morning. Oh, I know exactly what's going on this morning. Look at me sitting here talking about, I don't know what's going on this morning. And uh, <laughs> it turns out I should know because it's completely my mistake. All right. Hold on. Let me, let me get a hold of Chuck here this morning. Give me one second. Good folks. Yeah, so I was saying that uh, I was, I'm, I'm just trying to get this technical issue in the background sorted out so we make sure we're live on radio. But the guy said to me, you know, does it seem like people are a bit more um, extreme in their views? You know, and I, I thought about it for a second. I thought, hmm, it is interesting. And I don't really know because, you know, I can only talk about sort of my, my point of reference. Um, but I kind of think that maybe that is a possibility, right? I mean, think about it. I don't know how old you guys, you know, we've got a huge range of, of ages. So some of you might've been around during the protests of like the, the sixties and seventies and, 
Do you think people were as extreme in their positions, like as polarized? And I kind of said to him, you know, just looking at some of the footage historically, I guess, that I would have seen um, in relation to, um, you know, somebody says I'm now on radio. Oh, praise the Lord for that. That I would have seen in relation to probably, uh, you know, the protests of, like, I'm just thinking, like, whatever they were protesting about in the 70s, for example, or the 60s, right? I, I kind of, I don't know, I'm a little bit torn. Like, I do feel like maybe it was more peaceful in a way. Were people more peaceful then? But then there, there was a lot of times that it wasn't peaceful. Like, they were throwing grenades and bombs and, I mean, protesting in the streets and people being dragged down and assaulted by police. And so I'm like, I don't know. I, I think human humans are just, we are very, very capable of getting attached to particular things. And um, oftentimes that means that, you know, we just get really, really passionate about, oh my gosh, I don't even know. It's it's just crazy. Like it, it does occur to me that maybe the technology in this day and age allows um, viral messages that have no foundation um, in any real truth to go a lot further than they would have um, otherwise. I do think kind of as a result of that, that maybe people are a little bit more polarized than they used to be. I'm, I'm going to look into this because like I just said to you, sometimes I don't like to form an opinion on something because I want to see if there's any research on it um, to kind of, you know, tell me if it's yay or if it's nay. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see, honey chow. All right, let's get the show rolling. Um, I think we are good to go now. I think you guys are confirming that uh, we are, I'm trying to pick a new headshot here for my little avatar. So give me one second. I'm going to get that sorted out. So yes, I think that we are good to go. Look at me. Got my four eyes and everything. All right, folks, we've got Premier uh, Panton on the show this morning. We're going to be talking about um, feral cats and all the stuff that has you guys all up in your feelings. And I should warn you that this show is going to be one that is going to be based on facts today. And I guess if you don't like facts, well, go somewhere else. But if you are interested in hearing the facts, and I'm going to challenge you to put your, your feelings aside on this topic, um, because a lot of those are based on an emotive position, let us really talk about what we know. And we've got some evidence, because y'all been challenging people left, right, and center. Well, these, these cute little kittens and cats, you know, they're not harming nobody. They're not eating nothing. That's somebody else eating it. It's not them. Well, not so fast, honey chill, because we've got the video evidence. We've got the proof that, in fact, it is those little cats that you think are so cute. Which, by the way, when they're out in the wild, they're actually not that cute at all. But that's a whole other discussion. But we're going to show you the reality of their life as well you know, what they're having to deal with. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's so sad. Y'all need to do better. We're not doing the cats any justice by thinking that letting them run wild is, is some sort of freedom for them. But anyway, here we go. Premier Access. Happy Thursday, y'all. The Cold Heart Truth now has your Premier Access with Premier Panton. Hello everyone, this is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mall Road's Premier Access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. 
Tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency. Answering your questions. Down to earth, accountable, and accessible to who matters. You. Don't miss Premier Access on the cold hard truth. Spilling the tea like no one else. folks and no you're not confused it is not wednesday it's thursday we do need to update that but anyway <laughs> we will we will get to that in due course in the meantime welcome to the honorable premier wayne panton good morning sir good morning sandra and uh, let me say a special good morning to all of your listeners and 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 those who are watching well, at least we get to see your just your headshot, your... Yeah, I'm going to... Don't worry, you're going to... I don't know what else. I, I, you seem to have some technical difficulties this morning, but that's okay. Yeah, you're going to see me here in a second. Don't worry. It's all working good. Yes, good but happy new year. And, um, yeah, absolutely. I want to... You know, I I did um, Radio Cayman at the beginning of the week, and I certainly want to take... Even though we're into the, you know, the end of the first week of February or first part of February, I certainly want to take the opportunity to wish um all the best and uh, a wonderful happy safe productive prosperous 2023 to um all of our wonderful residents and citizens of the cayman islands mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so thank you so much for joining the show this morning so good morning to everyone who's here we've got jonathan alejandro sarah wanda uh, K-Mine Mobile Detailing, Vicky's in the house, Olivia Marshall joining us from North Carolina, Stephen from the UK, Miss Barbara, John Levy, Wee Wee, who else? Miss Vernita, lots of familiar faces and many, many more who just sit back and silently watch the program. Good morning to one. Karen is here. Karen's saying good morning. So good morning to one and good morning to all. So yes, this discussion um, premiere about, you know, feral cats and chickens has really taken over in a way that um, that has really surprised, I think, even me. Uh, the alien species regulations has kicked it off. Now, the law we know has been in place, I believe, since um, 2013, the National Conservations Act, uh, which I think is still called the National Conservations Law, by the way. And then no. we've got the Animals Act, which is 2015. You know, all of these things um, were part and parcel of eventually getting to the alien species regulation, uh, which is a 2022 piece of document. So, you know, I mean, I get it. I get that as human beings, we love, and I know you're an animal lover yourself. You know, we love fuzzy things. I remember my first pet um, that I, you know, consider a pet of my own, like I made a decision, was a little hamster. And boy, that little hamster, his name was Oscar. And I loved him like you would not believe. And, um, you know, we, we we just get attached to these things and, we have preconceived notions. You know, I, I was like, oh, I'm just going to let let him out in, in my aunt's house and he could just run around. My aunt was like, child, I'm going to put down a rat trap for your little hamster if you don't keep him in the cage because then, you know, he would eat stuff, <laughs> you know. So I learned over the years from being, you know, a young child and having a, a dog in my aunt's house and being responsible, uh, having to walk the dog, feed the dog. You know, I kind of grew up understanding that you can love animals all you want. But the way that you truly show that you love an animal is that you um, take care of animals that are in your possession, in your control, and you encourage other people to do the same thing. And as a community, 
you know, we have to do so much better. Like, I really feel like this is one of the areas um, that we fail all the time is, you know, being true um, caretakers for animals. And so I'm not surprised when something like this comes up because everybody thinks, you know, feral cats and chickens are like cute and fuzzy and all this sort of thing. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up when we start talking about what we consider somewhat domesticated, but they're not um, animals. So tell us a little bit about the history. Because I think the history of, of how we got here is significant. Obviously, your government has been in now coming up on two years. Is mm-hmm. this something, um, the alien species regulations... Is this something that at the second you got in, you're like, oh, yeah, this has got to be at the top of my list that I want to push to get done? Or was this something already on the table? Tell us how this all kind of worked out. I know there were some lawsuits and all sort of stuff. Give us the 411 and how we got here. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll try to give you as um, a clear picture as possible. Um, I obviously wasn't directly involved um, in the initial part of it. But basically, um, let's, let's go back a bit. I think as far back as 2007, perhaps earlier than that, the um, the Department of Environment and the Department of Agriculture have been, um, both in relation to dogs and, and feral dogs and feral cats, you know, they've been trapping animals. Um, they have tried to find owners where they can't, where, they're no, where no one claims them. Um, the animals, unfortunately, do get um, euthanized. Mm-hmm. Um, so the issue, you know, so that's that's just an, an intro in terms of what has happened historically in relation to, to animals that have not been claimed. The issue in relation to feral cats specifically um, is a reflection of the reality that we have a problem with cats that are in the wild, that are reproducing rapidly, and people are, you know, they've started off obviously as people's domestic cats, that they just end up, either the cat runs away from home or they end up um, sort of letting them roam around outside and they they reproduce. Um, Now, a lot of people have been trying to approach it from the perspective of trapping these animals um, and uh, neutering or spaying them. Um, and, and then they, they sometimes try to rehome them. Um, but for cats in particular, it seems that a lot of people have been approaching this from a, a trap, neuter, and release perspective, mm-hmm. which is very distinct from how people and, and how the... the um, organizations such as the um, Humane Society approach the situation with dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you would never have anybody saying that it's appropriate and okay to trap, mm-hmm. um, you know, neuter, spay, whatever, um, and release dogs back into, you know, communities and to run around wild. Um, and obviously, dogs are typically bigger animals. Um, you know, they, they can be very problematic. They can be aggressive to human beings. They can cause a lot of problems, you know, mm-hmm. um, but cats um, are equally capable of causing mm-hmm. a lot of damage and destruction. 
And the way they do that is they, they are doing what they're genetically programmed to do. No matter whether you feed them or whether they're left to their own devices, they are going to be out roaming around. Um, they will kill birds. They will kill um, lizards. They will kill iguanas. Mm-hmm. Anything um, that they can can really get their you know get their hands on um, paws on. Um, and sometimes it's just an instinctive thing. They do it. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps they don't even they're not even going to feed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just what they do. Um, Sometimes they obviously do it, and they they do feed on on the um, on the creatures that they they take down, the other animals and birds and stuff that they take down. So we have recognized the Department of Environment, Department of Agriculture, obviously have recognized for some time, a long time, that this is a problem, um, and that they are they're they're predating the um, indigenous birds, the indigenous animals um, of the Cayman Islands. And there's clear evidence of this. You know, we have the documentary evidence, we've got um, we've got video evidence, we've got pictures. Um, and what one of the things that's been really surprising is that um, nobody really people people understood that there was a problem. Mm-hmm. Nobody really understood the extent of the problem mm. until the DOE, for example, and perhaps the DOE as well, um, until they started putting these trap cameras um, mm-hmm. in different locations in the wild, um, so that the, the the point of those is that that if an animal passes by, it triggers the camera to take a to either turn on and do a video, mm-hmm. uh, or it takes a picture, and that's when it became very very clear. That there was a tremendous problem with feral. Well, the problem was even greater than than first suspected with mm-hmm. feral cats in particular. Um, so you know that we have this fantastic program, for example, for for the uh, blue iguanas. Uh, blue iguanas were almost extinct at one point. Um, mm-hmm. They are very identifiable as um, you know a, 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 an animal. A, uh, indigenous um, Caymanian animal that we we're all proud of, um, and people like um, Mr. Fred Burton and others, um, including people through the through the National Trust, have been in, involved with the Blue Iguana Recovery Program, and it's been successful. You know, we've grown the numbers through um, through having them. Um, Maintained in captivity and bred in captivity, and then the num- and then the, the young ones released. But one of the interesting mm-hmm. things we're not seeing a lot of um, younger blue iguanas that were, you know, as much as would be would have been expected given the numbers that have been released into the wild. Um, so the thinking was, you know, we would start to see much more young iguanas, young blue iguanas. Um, in around the Salinas area, for example, in East End, where they've, they've typically been released, and, and that's obviously a, a protected area for those um, those animals. And mm-hmm. to try to understand why and what was happening, they put these trap cameras out in that area, um, a number of them in different locations around the Salinas, 
And lo and behold, you know, what kept coming up on the trap cameras was feral cats. Um, so it is very likely that the feral cat population there is clearly much greater than was first anticipated. I mean, they didn't, I don't think anybody really thought it was that, that significant a problem. Um, mm -hmm. But clearly the, the evidence dictates and shows that that is the case. And I think um, the, the assumption, the clear assumption is that as we've found in other areas, including places like the BRAC um, or Sister Islands, those, you know, those cats are very likely um, preying on young blue iguanas and keeping those populations down and preventing, you know, the, the growth of the, the, pop, the wild population of blue iguanas. Mm -hmm. um, we have the same experience in, in Little Cayman um, and in Cayman Brac. Um, Little Cayman in particular, the cats, the feral cats have been identified. Um, I, I didn't really understand the, the extent of the problem myself either. I, as you know, I, I visit Little Cayman often, mm -hmm. as often as I can, not as often as I used to. But, you know, I drive around and occasionally you might see a cat. Mm -hmm. uh, but I decided I was going to deliberately try to find cats and try to keep an eye out. And basically, you have to look down the road. You know, you can't just drive around like normal and make sure that there's nothing in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have to really look down the road and you have to use different techniques to make sure you can you catch these cats because they're, they're very they're stealth. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not going to stand beside the road and wave at yeah. you. Right. Um, so I, I did start seeing a lot more cats and I realized that, yeah, this is, this is an issue. Um, you know, and, and this is the Department of Environment, um, Department of Agriculture have been aware of this issue for some time. Mm -hmm. so yes. Have we, have, have we been um, trapping and culling cats in the past? Yes. Um, nothing new. It, it's nothing new to that. And the issue has, has, um, has even become even more significant because of the extent to which there's more and mm -hmm. more evidence that they are preying on the the population of um, red-footed boobies, which is, you know, Little Cayman has the largest breeding colony of, of red-footed boobies in, in the Western Hemisphere. Um, they're also preying on the young um, Sister Islands rocky iguanas in Little Cayman. Um, and so for some time, and uh, just to give you some stats, I think back in 2007, you know, a, a, a number of, of um, cats were, were um, trapped and mm -hmm. eventually humanely euthanized. Um, they were feral cats. Um, and that was 2007. Just going to give you a few numbers and, and, and time um, indications. So in 2017, 2018, that would have been the previous administration, um, I think something like 30 30 cats were were trapped and were humanely euthanized. Um, and these efforts were continuing until um, the Humane Society and the Feline Friends, I think that's what it's called, Feline Friends something, um, which mm -hmm. was just a, sort of a, an un unincorporated association, perhaps an MPO, I'm not sure what it is, but they 
they effectively um, brought a judicial review against the DOE slash DOE, Department of Agriculture and DOE, to um, prevent these the, these cullings from occurring. Um, that was a piece of litigation that dragged on for a long time. Um, and it was, I think, eventually settled around the middle part of last year, uh, of 2022. Um, there had been a sort of a stalemate in the sense that um, the Department of Environment, Department of Agriculture had given an undertaking that they wouldn't do any um, any further culling until the issues were resolved. And, and the main, the central issue was this, that there were no regulations around um, the, the, the trapping and, and around dealing with invasive species or alien mm -hmm. species. Um, so because of the various negotiations and discussions around that, um, we ended up having this this set of these set of alien species regulations um, prepared. Mm -hmm. And it was a direct result, um, and I think a good result of the of the um, the action by the Humane Society at the time and feline friends. Okay, so let me can I just pause you right there because I, I think I want to make sure that people are understanding some of the key um, points that you've made thus far. This has been something, number one, <clears throat> that didn't just start last week or the week before. This has been going on for a really long time. The government, the Department of um, Environment or Agriculture, which one does the culling? Um, well, I think both do. Okay. Um, but it's mainly it's mainly going to, when it, when it comes to um, alien species that are predating mm -hmm. on our indigenous species, mm -hmm. that's typically going to be led by the Department of Environment. All right. Okay. So they have been catcalling, folks. I want y'all to listen very carefully to what the premier just said, because you might have missed it. He said they have been catcalling for a long time. It's not something that is newly being introduced. They have been doing it. The problem has been that they were doing it without the benefit of proper regulations in place. Mm hmm. So the technocrats, the civil servants, <clears throat> my apologies, those who work in the Department of Environment uh, were challenged legally about whether or not this is something that can be done. One of the outcomes of that legal cha challenge, <clears throat> my apologies, is that there has to be some regulation around this and there has to be some standards and legal footing for this to be able to be done as it was anyway. But so that everyone knows what the procedure is, you know, <clears throat> that's the, the process and why we have laws and regulations in place, because they codify what may have been done for centuries sometimes, but they put it in writing and then everybody's on the same page. You can pick up the regulations. You can read what the regulations say. Maybe there were some things that were being done that the public did not even know and you were not aware of. But I now want you to understand cat culling is not new. It has been happening. The regulations are something new. So let me ask you this question, Premier. So obviously you inherited this problem. <clears throat> you know, everyone is trying to come to a viable solution. Can you explain to us, I do have some questions that are coming in in relation to this. 
what is the process? Because a lot of people, you know, I try to do my best <laughs> that I can in this show to the best of my understanding, explain how, how the process works. How does something become law? How does something, you know, get regulations attached to it? What are regulations? So in the most common language possible, right? Explain how regulations can come into force and there's no public consultation. Because that's what someone's saying to me. Why are there no public consultation on regulations? To the best of my knowledge, there never is public consultation on regulations. There's public consultation on the law itself. Is that is that correct? Um, no, sometimes sometimes you do have public consultation on regulations. Okay. Um, it you know it varies. It, it mm -hmm. depends. You it you're never going to see a situation where every piece of legislation ends up in extended public consultation um, and. Uh, or regulations end up in extended public consultation. Um, obviously, th there's two two things we're talking about here. One is primary legislation, which is which is a law, an act. And by the way, um, the National Conservation Law was passed in 2013, um, but by virtue of Parliament becoming independent, um, the, the the legislation around that, all laws in the Cayman Islands are now called acts right uh -huh. um so it's the national conservation act actually um, premier this is a bit of a quandary but i want you to put this on your list because we were actually talking about this last week and i verified that for some reason that piece of legislation um miss judy was going to check on why this is still has the word law in it so it yeah is still well, it would be Anything, any, any published, any law that was passed and published prior to 20. Uh, no, but most law. of them have actually been changed, right? So this is a National Conservation Law 2013. Can you find out mm -hmm. why that isn't the National Conservation Act? Because this is something that confused us last week. And Judy didn't know why, and she was going to check, but maybe you could get an answer um, quicker. It's just a matter of semantics, but I am curious. Well, I mean, I'm just going to... Um, Let, let's not... We're not going to get boggled down in that no, now. No, we we'll no, just make I'm a little not, note. <laughs> I, I'm just going to check right now, looking up at legislation.gov.ky. Yeah. It says National Conservation Law 2013. No, well, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the list right now. So mm -hmm. anybody who wants to find laws that are... You have... That either represent existing legislation or legislation which is not enforced yet, you can mm -hmm. also find repeal spent acts. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole range it's of things. all online, yeah. Legislation.gov.ky mm -hmm. um, is maintained by the Attorney General's Chambers, and mm -hmm. it has a really convenient list. So, so what when I go when I click on the um, there's a alphabet at the top. You click on mm -hmm. the the um, the name that begins with the correct letter. Yeah. Um, I am. Um, I can look at and find the National Conservation Act 2013. Now, when I bring up what it does, is it brings up mm -hmm. a scanned copy, a PDF copy, not scanned, it's a PDF right. copy of the original law. And it does say National Conservation Law 2013. Hmm. Um, but it is, in fact, called the National Conservation Act 2013 now. All right, that's confusing because why wouldn't they just have in the text of it the proper name? But anyway, yeah, well, semantics and yeah, I mean, DOE's anything, website anything. still says National Conservation Law when it makes reference to it. But anyway, all yeah, right. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, uh, you know, 
that's one of the issues that you know we've got to make sure that um, government websites and many websites are, are really up to date with these types of things people just haven't mm -hmm. gotten around to making those changes but that's that's um what's what the position is okay. um so you have legislation which goes to parliament which is a mm -hmm. bill right um you have the originally well let me just forget about the original part of it what we currently have today constitutionally is a requirement mm -hmm. to have 28 days notice um for the consideration of bills to, in, in parliament so they have to be published gazetted um for at least 28 clear days prior to being um debated in parliament that can that period can be shortened um if the premier certifies um that it's appropriate to shorten that period um and that will be if there is for example an emergency type situation mm -hmm. um or, or a significant degree of urgency in dealing with that um so that that it is possible to effectively short notice it but it's typically 28 days um that 28 days allows um the public allows the opposition to review legislation and be prepared um, and ready to submit comments um, and those comments can be submitted at any time um, they can the government can consider those comments and when when it comes to the parliament to debate it government may be in a position where they agree with a number of changes and they have um, already filed a number of proposed amendments that would be dealt with in committee stage for the bill but anyway, a bill goes through the parliamentary process, um, through the debate. Um, mm -hmm. It goes through first, second, and third readings. Um, it goes it, it goes to committee stage after the second reading, um, at which you you make um, any changes, um, and then it goes to third reading, and and then it's it's passed. Um, and once it's passed, then it then would go. Um, whether it comes into effect depends on the terms of it. It may say it comes into effect as soon as it's assented to and published um, after it's passed by Parliament, or it may have a provision which says that um, Cabinet may determine uh, to what extent and which provisions come into effect um, by ordering in, in Cabinet uh, or by commencement order. Mm -hmm. So that's the bill. And then you may have secondary legislation, which um, is created by regulations. Um, you know, if the if the if the primary legislation provides that uh, provides a power for cabinet to um, to adopt regulations to further clarify certain aspects, clarify a procedure, to set out um, you know relevant information in relation to the primary legislation, which assists, um, then cabinet can do that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't have anything to do with parliament. That is that is passed in cabinet. Oftentimes, um, it does not get um, the same degree of, but it doesn't, it doesn't get published um, in the way that primary legislation does. Um, and, a, a decision, a view has to be taken on whether and the extent to which it's appropriate to have public consultation. Um, in relation to these particular regulations, 
um, that were adopted pursuant to the National Conservation, pursuant to a power set out in the National Conservation Act, um, because of the extensive discussions that had occurred around the issue of, um, you know, the 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 trap, the um, trapping and and culling of of feral cats. Um, the I think the Department of Environment um, felt that there had been sufficient clarity on on the issue, um, and they didn't in you know there wasn't a recommendation to do public consultation on the issue because we had the two relevant parties um, engaged in the, in the discussion. Now the, the those regulations were adopted pursuant to a power under the National Conservation Act. Um, which um, the relevant provision uh, basically says that the National Conservation Council um, can develop criteria for determining whether wild populations or proposed um, introductions of alien or genetically altered species might cause harm to any of the natural resources of the islands and procedures for regulating and controlling such populations um, and introductions. So it is pursuant to that particular provision that these regulations were effectively um, adopted. And as I said, because of the um, because of the litigation brought about by the Humane Society and Feline Friends, um, there was an agreement that there was um, regulations were missing. I think what what had happened was that there was a feeling that the Department of Agriculture, or regulations issued by or through the Department of Agriculture, um, or recommendations of the Department of Agriculture under the, the Animals Act, um, provided sufficient authority. Um, but I think that the clear or close review of of the those powers as a result of the litigation clarified that that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. So it was agreed that these regulations needed to be adopted under the National Conservation Act. Um, and that's how they came about. So they've, they've, they were adopted to really regulate what was already being done um, and perhaps being done without sufficient um, primary or secondary legislative um, clarity and, and, and authority. Um, so that, and as I said, you know, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't anything new. Um, to, to, in 2007, 30 cats were humanely euthanized, trapped and humanely euthanized in Little Cayman. In 2017 and 20, between 2017 and 2018, I think there was about 24 that were trapped and, and humanely euthanized. Um, since then, you know, there have been there have been some more, um, but obviously none during the period in which the litigation existed and the undertaking was given. And the, the giving of the undertaking was effectively the same as um, a same as a court issuing an injunction to say, "Don't do anything." Right. Mm -hmm. So that the, the so undertaking, sorry, the undertaking essentially. The undertaking essentially meant that the regulations would be put in place at that point before any yes. um, cats were further culled. Correct. 
Yes. Okay. Now sure. let me let me ask a question because it obviously seems that um, a lot of people are confused about what they say appears to be some sort of secretive undertaking, right? So someone just said, well, why was this all done in secret? I mean, it doesn't seem to me that it would have been done in secret if there was a lawsuit around it and, you know, all these other things in place. Um, is it a case that people are just not paying attention until something is finally done, which I find probably happens a lot in this community. But um, did the Department of Environment uh, have any public discussion on this after the court basically said put the legislation in place? Well, I don't think the court actually did say that. Um, I think, as I said, the parties came um, to the came to it the was a, it was a agreement. It, 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 it was agreed that look, that these these regulations should be in place in order to, to govern this activity, and right. there there was insufficient authority under the Animals Act um, mm -hmm. to do this. Um, I as far as far as I'm aware, there was. Um, you know, the, the fact that this um, judicial review um, was occurring um, had been publicized. Mm -hmm. The fact that there was an undertaking um, had been publicized. But I think some of these issues are, you know, people don't perhaps pay attention un unless they have a specific interest mm -hmm. um, until, you know, something in particular comes along. Um, mm -hmm. And then it and then it becomes something that ele gets elevated and and the public's um, mind and consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there was, I don't think there's anything in the way of, you know, on any attempt to keep anything quiet or to hide anything. Um, I think that, you know, there have been reports in the past about the extent to which um, trapping and, and, and culling of, of feral animals like this have been done. We all know that it happens with dogs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I think um, there was a, a report on, um, I think it was, I know that the deputy leader of the opposition was on Radio Cayman yesterday morning um, commenting on this as well. Um, and I noted that there was a report, I think it was in 20, sometime around 2017, 2018, perhaps, maybe 2019, where his cat, um, and I don't know whether this was an outdoor cat or a cat that, that just you know, usually kept indoors and happened to go outside for a bit, mm -hmm. um, was, a, was, a, was attacked um, killed by some dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and I, seven dogs were euthanized on that occasion um, around that situation, as far as I'm aware. And it seemed to have been um, you know, a, a public discussion, and, and it was reported. Mm -hmm. So, you know... What I'm not sure I understand is why people feel that it's appropriate. And I know it's a difficult decision, right? I, you know, as you said before, I'm an animal lover. And I know that this is, it's a hard decision to, to make. I certainly wouldn't want to be um, the person doing it. Um, I, I had to, I had to put down one of my cherished dogs um, a couple months ago. And... Mm. You know, I cried like a baby. I, I, I love my animals. Um, I, if you if you love people, if you love animals, I think it, re it reflects positively on you. 
Um, mm -hmm. And it, it is hard. I mean, I've lost lots of pets over the years and it's always traumatic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I don't like the idea of doing it, but if I have to trade maintaining and protecting the viability of the survival of our indigenous um, flora and fauna, and particularly fauna and particularly birds and, and animals and reptiles, um, if I have to do, if I have to cull cats and dogs in order to make sure that we can maintain the viability and, and survival of those indigenous animals that's a decision that i can live with i don't mm. i wouldn't want to have to do it but i can live with it um, because mm. it's it's necessary it's essential for us mm -hmm. cats and mm -hmm. dogs and, and in this case in particular cats are not um they're not indigenous you know they're introduced by human beings and they're they're people have them as pets and then they eventually end up in the wild and they reproduce significantly in the wild. And some of these animals are, some of these cats have never been domesticated. You know, they're mm -hmm. entirely wild. And to be honest, you know, when these, when these cats are trapped, um, the, they have vets that are involved in this. They're veterinary mm -hmm. surgeons that are involved in this, this process of assessing the cats and, and ultimately humanely euthanizing them. Um, they find their health to be absolutely atrocious, terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're suffering from, some of them are suffering from feline AIDS, feline leukemia. They have uh, broken teeth. They have, mm -hmm. um, they have broken, they have broken legs. They have um, sores. They mm -hmm. have la lacerations. Um, you know, they're, they're, they, they're in absolutely infested with, things like tapeworms and roundworms and, you know, they, they live miserable lives in the mm -hmm. wild, absolutely miserable. Um, and it, it doesn't matter whether you're feeding them or not. Um, they, they are going to be doing what they normally do. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and that is, you know, they're, they're going to follow their instincts of preying on, on these, uh, these animals. We do have a caller. Um, there's, there's some stuff here that I want to share as well, but let's go ahead and, Oh, right. The caller <laughs> decided to give us a call back. So um, when we talk about the fact that this actually isn't anything new, there's a couple of things that I do want to share uh, with our viewers. So the first one here is um, this is an 11 page document. And as you can see, you know, the, um, the Internet <laughs> doesn't lie when it comes to the dates that are um, produced on documentation. Right. So you see this um, history date here from September of 2021. This goes back quite a ways. Um, as the premier said, there's been wide discussion on it. And I think if you haven't heard the discussion, maybe the real question is, you know, why were you not paying attention? Because honestly, it isn't anything new. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had, there's obviously, oops, my apologies. That's not supposed to be up there. There's a petition that came, um, that has been started. And I saw someone in the petition said something about the fact that the chickens, and we haven't really gotten to chickens yet, but we'll talk about them perhaps um, here in a minute. But someone said, oh, you know, these chickens, whether you like it or not, chickens are a tourist attraction. I thought to myself, oh my God, is our tourism product that horrible? that the best we can do is um, have feral chickens be what tourists are coming here for and, and what they're enjoying. And yeah. I want to really caution people 
Because look at what I found on TripAdvisor. This person who stayed at the Wyndham Reef Resort back in 2017 said friendly staff, but too many feral cats. So whilst people here, again, you know, the, the, the things that we allow to seep into our head and we accept, oh yeah, the, the tourists love these things. They really don't because this tourist said, I recently returned from a trip um, to this resort with my girlfriends. The staff was friendly and courteous. However, there's an abundance of feral cats that roam the property at leisure. It was not um, appealing to dine outside with cats constantly walking under tables and chairs. It was also unnerving when walking outside at night as they frequently darted across sidewalks and pathways. Otherwise, otherwise the property was okay. Imagine, right? Someone took the time, a tourist, a visitor, to write a review on, um, what did I just say? This is TripAdvisor, my apologies, where their review is centered around from 2017, is centered around their unpleasant experience because of feral cats. And uh, in, in our minds here in the Cayman Islands, some of you seem to think that feral cats and feral chickens are a good thing and that tourists enjoy this type of an experience. It seems like there's a bit of a disconnect happening. Uh, Damien makes a very, very interesting comment. He says, all of this controversy could have been avoided if this knowledge was just reported before for people to understand. Are you willing to accept, and I mean, this isn't necessarily, when, when I say accept, I'm not saying this is your personal responsibility, Premier, but are you willing to accept that maybe the civil service communication arm has failed when it comes to informing people, even on the importance of our, of our um, indigenous species, such as all of these birds? I mean, here, Damien is talking about the different types of birds that we have that are indigenous to the Cayman Islands. Do you think they've done a good job at getting the message across? Um, you know, it's always a challenge to identify how you're going to deploy your time and resources in communicating um, various things. Um, and oftentimes you have to try to anticipate if there's going to be the potential for controversy and you need to spend a lot more time. And I energy. Um, so, sorry, morning. You're, you're on air. Were you trying to call to be on air? No, sorry. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, folks. So just, just remember now, some of you are calling the WhatsApp number right. to be on air, and I answer so, it thinking. <laughs> yeah. So the, the short answer is yes. I mean, we, you know, sometimes mistakes are made. Sometimes there is um, a misjudgment of the extent to which something is um, going to potentially be an issue, and they need to, need to spend a lot more time and resources um, on, on information, getting information out to the public getting clarity out there. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in, in relation to these regulations, for example, I did anticipate um, looking at the regulations, before, you know, at the time we were considering adopting them. I anticipated, mm -hmm. for example, in relation to the fees, the, the fines, um, I anticipated that there might be um, a concern around using this omnibus provision which exists under the National Conservation Act, um, mm -hmm. which is Section 38, which has this provision which says that if you have an offense um, under this law and it isn't, there isn't a particular fine or um, a possible penal provision um, specified within that particular section, then, then the general provisions of Section 38 apply. And those general provisions are quite broad to cover 
a whole range of, of um, potential um, offenses. Mm-hmm. So it 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 says you know you can be fined up to five hundred thousand dollars and and you can go to jail for up to four years or both. Um, so I I looked at that and I thought mm, if we just put that there, people and and you have regulations and you have a provision in the law in the sorry in the regulation which says um, which is regulation eighteen or section eighteen of the regulations which says you shouldn't be feeding alien species or genetically modified species in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, if it just says this, the, the penalty is 500,000, um, uh, up to 500,000 or four years in jail or both, um, mm-hmm. I anticipated people were going to have a little reaction to that. Mm-hmm. So I had them change the provision of the regulations to provide that, I um, mean, and, 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 you know, you look around at any regulations, look around at any law, you rarely see any approach like this. Mm-hmm. So it reflects a specific um, concern to, to make sure that it wasn't heavy, perceived as heavy-handed. Um, we, we put in this graduated provision. So that if you ha- on the first time that you're caught doing this, um, you're breaching the regulations, um, what happens is you get a letter from uh, the DOE or or the NCC, which basically says, look, um, you know, we have evidence that you've been doing this. Um, you should cease this activity. Um, here is why you should cease this activity. Here are the problems that are created by this. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't want you to continue doing this. So, so just stop doing it. So you get, it's effectively like a warning. It's a cease and desist. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's why. And then there was a second provision which said, um, which says, if you have been caught doing it for a second occasion, then there is a possibility of you being prosecuted. And at that point, the fine may be up to Mm. $5,000. And then the third occasion and and subsequent occasions, um, and if if you're a really habitual offender, um, it it falls into this third bucket, which is the Section 38 of the National Conservation Act provision with this really broad omnibus um, penalty provision, which is the one that goes up to $500,000 and up to four years or both. Now, clearly, there's a whole range of offenses that f- might fall under Section 38. Um, and feeding feeding feral animals is going to be really low on the list of, of, of offenses. Um, it's not going to be viewed as hugely serious. So you're not going to be subjected to anything like $500,000. And you, it's unimaginable that any judge would say you're going to, um, you know, you're going to have a prison sentence mm-hmm. for this. Um, so there, there is, the provision is, was established. Um, to ensure that there is this judicial flexibility. So on the one hand, if you negligently operate a vessel and you crash into coral, the coral reef and damage our valuable coral mm-hmm. reef, um, you may be subjected to a fine of you know several hundred thousand. In Florida, mm-hmm. if you do it, in Florida, if you negligently crash into their, their reef, um, 
I've seen fines there of a million and a half dollars on on vessels that that do that. Um, I think they have some other provisions which go up to about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but that's not necessarily the end of it. I've seen, like I said, I've seen I've seen fines which, which are well in excess of a million dollars. Um, our provision says up to five hundred thousand um, dollars. So it also covers things like if you are if you're caught poaching, you know, if you take too many lo lobster or you take too many conch or you take them out of season um, and you're poaching, you know, and we've had we've got records of lots of um, judicial interpretation of this and the application of fines of, in some cases, a few hundred dollars, in some cases, maybe a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars or something in that range. Obviously, nowhere near close to you know, $500,000 or four uh -huh. years in jail. Um, and then, you know, on the lower end of the scale, it will be things like, you know, that, you know, you're, you're, um, you're feeding feral chickens or fe feeding genetic, well, specifically you're feeding alien species in the wild or genetically modified species in the wild um, and promoting the population growth of those by so doing. Um, that is, you know, it's a problem and you don't want to do it, but that's not going to result in you getting thousands of dollars in fine or anywhere near $500,000. Or, you know, it would be unimaginable that um, that it would be a, a prison sentence. So mm -hmm. what has and, happened, and, and, here, what has um, happened here is people have looked at this and said, oh my God, you're, you're going to charge people $500,000 and put them in jail for four years mm -hmm. for feeding feeding feral cats. No. That's not the position. That mm -hmm. is not what is going to happen. Um, but a judge, you know, a lay person would look at it and, and have a, a bit of freak, and that's that's understandable. That's what I anticipated by putting in this these graduated provisions initially, mm -hmm. um, including the warning letter. But at the end of the day, it's not a lay person that is going to decide what the relevant fine should be and how it should be, you know, how you should be penalized for a breach. Um, it is a trained judge. Um, and judges are going to be following um, judicial sentencing guidelines, um, precedents, and they, if anything, you know this, Sandra, if anything, people complain mm -hmm. about sentences being far Too less light. than what exactly. they think it should be, right? Absolutely. I mean, we had a situation with a guy who, um, fairly recently, with a guy who mutilated um, 12 or 13 chickens, you know, mm -hmm. cut the cut the combs off and all and mm -hmm. cut the spurs off and all this sort of stuff. Yep. And he was given a, he was given 80 years of sorry 80, 80 years. hours. <laughs> Perhaps they would have been satisfied then. 80 yeah. hours of community service exactly. over the course of 12 months. Yeah. Um, and there were people saying, oh, you know, well that's that's ridiculous. And you know, yeah. So, you know, if if anything, people complain about that the sentence is being too being light. Too, too um, late, yeah. But this, you know, to suggest that the government was trying to um, uh, you know, criminalize people to sentence them to jail to, to impose $500,000 in fines on them for feeding chickens and, and uh, feral chickens and feral cats. Mm -hmm. Absolute nonsense. That is not the case. Yes. That would that would never be anticipated at all. <laughs> um, no more than no more than it was anticipated that you know this mm -hmm. omnibus provision would be used to fine somebody $500,000 for taking two extra conch. Mm -hmm. You know, all right. We do have a call in the line. Good morning. It's, call. Know, it's people with a particular agenda that are using this um, this situation to 
you know, amplify this and, and appeal to um, the lack of knowledge and, and real understanding of these issues um, in the general public. So I understand mm -hmm. some of the reaction, but um, please listen to the facts uh, before yes. you jump to conclusions. All right. Well, I've always said if, if jumping to conclusions were a national sport, I think K-Man would definitely win a gold medal. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Um, I just want to say thank you to the premier for coming on and what I feel like is wasting his time having to explain mm -hmm. this ridiculousness. <laughs> right. So thank you. And, and I want to apologize. You're very welcome. Um, at the end of the day, the, the same, some of these same people mm -hmm. who are making him waste his time are going to be complaining about traffic. They're going to be complaining mm -hmm. about housing. They're going to mm -hmm. be complaining about X, Y, and Z while mm -hmm. he's having to spend his time explaining to you about cats and chickens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we have, like, it, it, I just find it really, you know, they, they have this meme or whatever mm -hmm. that came out is in a real place. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that. Like we are focusing on cats and chickens yes. when we have children being neglected, abused, abused. starving. Exactly. Exactly. For every, for every five people mm -hmm. that go out and foster a cat or mm -hmm. or or spend however many hours trying to sue the government because of cats and dogs and chickens, if they would focus on Mm -hmm. Human problems. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, Cayman would be a real place then, and we'd be an amazing place. Thank because you. Because I just well, think well, the good thing is there, and I, I agree with you. We're wasting um, our time on this when we have yeah. so much more important yeah. things to discuss. And you know, you know, caller, I think I think the issue is right. Th this is an important issue, and like I always tell people, we can entertain more than one thought in our brains at the same time. So animals are important because I always feel in a community. That if you can mistreat animals and the elderly, you've got some serious issues. So I think, agreed, agreed. you know, we, we make this a priority, but yeah. And, yeah. and it's because no. of misinformation. It's because of people not wanting to pay attention because I, even myself, I went back and did a bit of research. Here's another article that was updated in September of 2021 in the Miami Herald. Right. They're talking about, OK, let, let's say we want to say, well, maybe the local communications arm kind of fell you know, broke it, broke a you know toe, whatever. Didn't quite get it right. The Miami Herald carried this story. It says um, feral cat invasion is wiping out native species on Caribbean island. This is was this was from 2021, and they were talking about little Cayman, and they're talking about invasive species, right? I mean, there was also another one from. Hold on, because there's lots of evidence that this is nothing new. Um, here is this one from PubMed. So this is a um, professional publication. Prevalence of heartworm infection in the feral cat population of Grand Cayman. So someone actually did a study that was published in the National Library of Medicine. These are legit medical professional journals back in 2019 about the um, feral cat in the Cayman Islands having such a huge prevalence of heartworm. These poor cats have, you know, they're just, they have a horrible life in the wild. And I don't know why anyone can't see how inhumane that is. Here's another headline from iNews dated April of 2019. I don't think any of us are saying 
oh, let's kill the cats. Yeah, let's make exactly. of it. Like, this is so fun. We love killing cats. We love killing chickens. Like, no one is saying that. Yes, absolutely and, not. And I don't necessarily fully agree with everything that's happening. But I just know that we have more important things to focus on. Yeah. Thank you, Caller. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much there. And I agree. Um, and I would be happy to be on here talking about, um, and which I will be looking forward to be doing really mm-hmm. shortly. Um, the government has a, a housing task force and I'll be mm-hmm. looking to, to start rolling out um, some of the recommendations that, that are, that we'll have emanating from that mm-hmm. to address the situation with, um, you know, the housing needs for, for Caymanians and young Caymanians in particular, but also looking at things like, you know, rental markets and the, the problems we're having with um, lack of availability and poor mm-hmm. quality and all this sort of stuff. Um, and of course, we're all always have these current challenges of, mm-hmm. of, um, of inflation and um, energy costs. Uh, we've got traffic issues, you know, and, and there's lots of really good things going on where we're, you know, we're trying to confront these issues and, and address them in a proper way through a proper process. Yes. Um, but, you know, this is one of the things that obviously people have jumped on board with and tried to, to make a mm-hmm. real issue to effectively to try to attack the credibility mm-hmm. of the government. Um, so let, let me just... Nobody, um, nobody is going mm-hmm. to attack my credibility when it comes to, you know, caring about people, caring about animals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had... I, I currently have four dogs. Three of them are rescue dogs. Um, mm-hmm. I have one cat, and that's a rescue cat. Um, so I'm doing my part, um, and I'm trying to make sure that our national assets in the form of our indigenous species are not being wiped out. We mm-hmm. used to have thousands of boobies, brown boobies, for example, in the brack, flying around there. Um, we used to have loads of booby nests all over the, the, the cliff edge, the bluff edge, and the mm-hmm. face of the bluff. And we're now down to 50 breeding pairs of brown boobies. Um, you know, if people want to look at a beautiful bird, look up some of the pictures of, of the brown boobies, the black brown boobies. They are just absolutely gorgeous yes. animals. Let, let no me, um, if you'll permit no me to just... Than, than our cats and dogs. Yes. And we, we do have a caller who's on the line, but let me just permit, uh, permit me just one second to read this uh, paragraph here again in the Miami Herald. I'll share the article dating back years. It says a viable human control program is desperately needed, but the government doesn't prepare, doesn't appear to humane. have one. A humane, ca- humane, humane, sorry. Control. A viable no, humane <laughs> control program is desperately needed, but the um, government doesn't appear to have one yet. Little Cayman is described by island tourism officials as a, and they put in quotes, serene landscape where the bustle of the birds at the Booby Pond Nature Reserve may be the loudest commotion on the island, and it's considered a top destination, top diving destination, according to dive training reports. It goes on to say that government officials haven't exactly said how many feral cats are running amok on the island, but it's bad enough that small groups of some of the threatened species are being kept in cages for their own protection, officials have shared. And the cats were introduced by humans who refused to take responsibility, the Little Cayman District Committee of the National Trust said in a Facebook post. And it goes on to quote them as saying, it is profoundly disturbing 
that native wild animals must be caged to protect them from invasive predators. This is what the National Trust said, folks. And there's no rational justification to create the need for such measures to try and prevent a unique species from going extinct. This is fundamentally wrong, plain and simple. So even the National Trust was quoted in the Miami Herald, my apologies, article dating back years where they acknowledged the problem and they were in support of something being done in order yes. to keep these native species um, alive. Caller, yeah, good morning. Absolutely. Oh, did we lose you? Oh, there you are. Good morning, mm. caller. Hello. Yes. Good morning. Um, good morning. Calling again. Um, good morning. Good morning to everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I just have a, a, a few questions I, I, I would like to ask as, mm -hmm. a, as a young Caymanian, right? Um, Mr. Premier, I've been, been waiting for this opportunity a while now, honestly. But I just want to ask, right? Because although I know that, yes, you guys have been making moves to do certain things in regards to housing for young Caymanians or whatever, mm -hmm. none of us really know what is happening. Right. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that that you're not doing anything. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that the government is not doing anything. What we're right. saying is, yeah, we have no knowledge of what is going right. on at all. Because right now, I, I make good money, mm -hmm. right? And Caller, can I just I, um? I just want to pause you one second. What we're going to do, and and this is just for us to keep as organized as possible, right? We're actually going to address that issue directly in another show. So this show is okay. really dedicated to dealing with this specific issue and this issue alone. And we will do a show on housing where the premier comes on and um, discusses that. So just hold hold those questions yeah. for me if you don't mind. Um, okay. And we want to deal with this whole you know combobulation of feral cats and chickens and whatever. Put this to bed, um, hopefully, today. And then we're going to get to the housing situation. And he will be happy to provide an update with that. Is that fair enough? Sandra, can yes, I just, very, can just, just very quickly housing. respond? Mm -hmm. And not just the it's also the fact that all the jobs in Cayman that really create wealth have been pretty much given out to every foreigner that they can be given out. For example, real estate. In mm -hmm. my opinion, there's, there's no way in God's green earth why a, a foreigner should be allowed to come to any country and sell real estate. That should be a job for a local and a local owner. Mm -hmm. Nine out of ten of our real estate agents are foreigners, white. Mm -hmm. So you know what I'm saying? stuff like that is, is, in my opinion, things that are more important than than worrying about a feral cat and a, and a chicken. Honestly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Colin. I, I, can I, I just say in, in relation to because I I um, obviously understand his concern about that, but as an example, um, and perhaps this is a reflection of. Us having to do much more around it, mm -hmm. you know. I know that the that my colleague, the minister um, who deals with housing, um, Minister Ebanks, Jay Ebanks, he has been on, for example, Radio Cayman. Mm -hmm. I think he's also come on to your show, Sandra, as well, and he's mm -hmm. talked about the the affordable housing program that, that the National Housing Development Trust is well clear, is clear clearly. Uh, uh, we have done enough, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but so, so, so there will be. We, we will specifically, and I absolutely agree with you. I want to have a specific show dealing with this, um, mm -hmm. and perhaps you know, both of us, both he and I, can can be involved with it um, mm -hmm. to make sure that it's very clear what the government's program is and plans are around um, you know, the issue of housing 
both on the rental side and and on the, the purchase and sale side for mm-hmm. for Caymanians generally and, and young Caymanians in particular, um, because we're taking a lot of actions um, and these are going to be rolled out. We've already been doing a lot. Um, one of the th- unfortunate things is, you know, that we haven't done a lot in terms of um, publicizing what we have done to help young Caymanians um, acquire uh, their own homes by way of grant, um, by way of um, stamp duty waivers or abatements, and we mm-hmm. that's an ongoing thing. We do that every day. We have loads of people who, loads of young Caymanians who are applying as first-time Caymanian homeowners, um, and, and there are some that that are you know more than first-time homeowners, mm-hmm. um, but we are assisting them in, in being able to realize their 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 dreams and in, in improving their their investment and, and financial um, position. So we're going to bring more transparency around that, um, and we're going to address the specific initiatives um, that we are undertaking to mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that we you know we confront this problem as we're doing with you know with the traffic situation, and that that is probably going to have to be a separate show as well. But mm-hmm. I definitely want to 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 address that and get yeah. into that. I want to take the opportunity to remind people that there will be at the second of the um the mm-hmm. public consultation meetings for um or on the terms of reference for the um, environmental impact assessment in relation to the east-west extension um that will be at the um baptist church on pete in pedro um on pedro castle road um, i think it starts at about six uh, maybe six thirty this evening so please come to that as well and i think it was well attended in Northside um, last night, um, and you know it should. I hope to have it well attended again. But it is really important to get a lot of public feedback on these terms of reference and a lot of clarity. If you if you you can also watch it online. You can watch it as being streamed. Yes, so, and we we will be streaming it as well. But we've got quite a few callers calling in. Yeah. Um, caller, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. Morning, dear. Morning, Mr. Wayne. Good morning, sir. Um, How are you doing? Alejandro speaking. By the way, Mr. Wayne, Alejandro speaking. You met me at the Coral Fest. Yes, sir. Um, Absolutely. Last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you watches National Geographic and Discovery Channel Animal Wildlife or anything like this. I watch as much as that as I can. <laughs> but I, I have to say I don't get the opportunity as much. <laughs> But yes, um, I love watching. Here, 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 my here, my point of view of this whole um debacle that we going on with. Mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself that if we can't handle the wild, then why are we why are we bothered trying to destroy it? Mm, but you you know when you say handle the wild, you're saying that feral yeah. cats are part of the wild. You do understand that they were introduced by humans, right? Okay. Let me explain myself a little bit better then because you're talking about booby birds and the chickens and the feral um the feral cats, right? Mm-hmm. The booby birds for one, they don't have the best life neither. No animal ever has the best life because if you know that the frigate birds that we see out there above the the, the, the fishermen every day at the fish market, mm-hmm. they can't even touch water one second of their life because if they do that, their their feathers will never dry. They can't fly um they can't fly. When they not saying that they don't touch the water in 
But they, when they're they're hunting, they're pirates of the sea. They attack booby birds to catch their food when the booby birds have to come back home to get to feed mm-hmm. their young. They do the most extreme. They're migratory birds as well. They don't have just only one type of booby bird. There is many types of booby birds out there, and majority of them are in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. But caller, no. This let, is, let me ask is, you a question, right? Um, most most animals have um, predators that are, you know, natural predators to them. Feral cats who've been introduced by human beings would not be there. Would not be um, natural predators. So what you're saying, it's okay to have the natural predators, which you've just mentioned. It's okay to continue to allow the feral population, which was introduced into the Cayman Islands. That now we have indisputable evidence that they are impacting the actual numbers. They are impacting numbers. We've got footage, uh, data to prove that that's actually the case, right? The numbers are on the decline significantly. And you're saying that that's okay because they because these birds have natural predators to allow an invasive well, species to do the same thing? To me, that doesn't even sound logical, Alejandro. Well, is, there a, is, there a, is there a picture graph showing where all these complaints are being made that this is happening? Because We're going to show, we've got, got some, stay, stay, yeah, stay tuned. We've got some video footage. I can I can complain about this with the feral animals, right? Because we got wild chickens here. We don't tame them. They're not in a coop. We don't even have a house for them to put to sleep in. They sleep in the trees naturally. They come in the yard. They stay here. They mm-hmm. eat what we got. And this is the thing. They have lizards running around the, the area as well. I have lion lizards, the ones that live on the beach, the ones that love to live on lion, um, iron shore rocks. They are living inside the same yard. I have feral cats coming in, sleeping on our car tops. Not just saying it's just only my car top. They are sleeping on other people's car tops. They are eating in the middle of the night. I mean, I don't have no problem feeding them. I have a little sympathy for their souls. And they and they and they don't bother anything else. Everything is living in this uh, in this um area, coexistently. Why? Because they're all being fed. Now, I'm not saying that I'm trying to tell everyone to feed their cats, feed their animals. Of course, if they're your animals, feed them. That's your responsibility. But if you're not feeding them and you're just allowing them to be inside and start hunting the place down, what other instincts do you, instincts do you expect them to have? But, but I Alejandro, cats claws, I cats claws and I've tamed them. They play with lizards and let them go free. All right, Alejandro, there's undisputed evidence. Forget Cayman, worldwide. There is undisputed evidence that cats are predatory whether they are being fed or not. This isn't about feeding them. Right. That is simply what they do. <laughs> All right. Let me let me have you leave it. Let me have you leave it there. Let me have you leave it there. Yeah, let me let me let me have you leave it there, folks. This is one of the reasons why even PETA and other organizations have said that the trap re, trap spade and release programs do not work even. Right. I've got some video footage and pictures because now he's asking for evidence. Don't worry. We got receipts that we can show you from taken right here from in the Cayman Islands of exactly what these predatory feral um, cats are actually doing, right? This is this is misinformation for you to say if we feed them, they're going to stop a behavior that is instinctive to them. No, they won't. Even your house cat, right, that is well-fed will kill any insects or whatever that's in your house. Now, you might not mind if that's in your house, but that same predatory behavior when they're on the outside, this is why you must contain your cats, keep them inside. That same behavior exists when they're outside of your home. 
So I mean, we've got to we've got to accept well, you know, facts. Like you, you can't continue Sandra, to debate. We all we've all had experiences with our cats that we let out for a bit. They'll come back um, and bring little presents for us. I put it on the doormat. Yes, child, they, haven't eaten it. they haven't eaten it, but they've killed them. Uh, sometimes it's a bird. Sometimes it's a mouse. Um, sometimes it's a it's a snake. Um, you know, so they, this is a problem. They are constantly just because you feed them doesn't mean they're going to stop killing. No, they, they, that's what and they I mean, do. They're, like I said again, there's tons of research that has proven, and I, we will have videos. We've got some evidence at the end of the program. Don't you know? Don't hang up at the end because there is. Um, substantial evidence, and there's a guy who scientifically with his whiteboard is going to break it down for you as to why it doesn't work. I know that you think on the face of it, well, that sounds like a good idea. We keep them, you know, fed and they're going to be happy and they're not going to harm any anything else, but that just doesn't happen. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> All right, it's Eden. Good morning, Premier. I hope good morning, know. good morning. Yes, sir. Um, I I just wanted to add to this discussion because I, I keep cats and we love them. And uh, we've recently made sure our cats are indoor and then I, we have, you know, renovated our patio to be a proper catio for them so they could be outside and have pet safe screen on it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, our cats that we used to keep outside um, both passed from mystery diseases that the vets couldn't diagnose mm-hmm. um, and they were well fed. Both of them were fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big, big one that looked like he could barely move an inch. I saw him devour a banana quit fledgling wow. within five seconds, uh, wow. right in front of our front door. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a well-fed giant 25 pound cat. Wow. Okay. Um, and That's so unless cat. these people, yeah, he was, he was one of the biggest cats I've ever seen in my life. Um, one, unless the people who are saying that they're fed cats don't devour anything, have a camera on those cats' collars mm-hmm. or they are looking at them 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I am telling you right now, and this cat ate that bird. Okay. Mm-hmm. He ate the wow. bird. Now it was a tiny little fledgling. We had, we had been watching them nest in our front yard in the Maho tree. Mm-hmm. And that experiences like that and having to mercy kill Julia butterflies and mercy kill uh, blue anoles because the cats have torn them up and just left them there. Mm. You know, like it started to really get to my soul. Right. Mm. And so this isn't just about boobies. This is about our backyard ecology. And Mm -hmm. now my cats are inside. Mm -hmm. I know they're safe. I know they're disease free. Mm -hmm. They're not getting my dog patrols our yard. So we don't have other cats. And I have nesting pairs of birds in our yard Mm -hmm. because I planted trees and because I pulled our cats inside. So for everyone out there who says that their cats aren't doing any damage, aren't killing any native animals, aren't killing any series or aren't killing any, any iguanas or aren't killing any bird, native birds. Mm-hmm. If they are not keeping track of them two, four, seven, then I do not believe them. Yeah. Not absolutely. for one second. Absolutely. And, and science shows us and mm-hmm. my own eyes have shown me mm-hmm. what, differently. They will yeah. hunt and they will kill even if they don't eat and they will uh, still eat even if they're fed yes, as well. Yeah. So it's not, not generally because they're not gluttonous. They're not like dogs where they're scavengers, right? But mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it will still happen. So we need to stop talking foolishness. We need to become aware of basic ecology and basic ecological principles that are at play here. Caymanians mm-hmm. are, we like, like to deny things in order mm-hmm. to shore up our idea of what our culture is. 
Mm. Okay. And it's, we have to stop doing that. If we're going to be calling ourselves native people, mm -hmm. we need to start living like native people. Mm -hmm. And in other places, other jurisdictions where this battle is being fought mm -hmm. around feral cats and stuff, it is yep. the indigenous who are driving mm -hmm. the, the cull of cats, the That's humane right. cull of cats in defense of their native animals. Exactly. I mean, the last so time we, we had this discussion, natives, we need to defend our natives. Yeah. How we treat these animals and how we protect our native animals is the same way that we're dealing with our people. Yeah. We shove and, them and aside you know what, when it's Eden... time for non-natives to come in and, and it's the same way. So this is an important topic in that how we deal with this yeah. will show how we deal with our people. Yeah. And even I must to, say that to take um, care of natives yeah, all I, across the board. I must say that last time that we had this discussion, we were talking about the case study in Australia. And the native people in Australia have said, listen, historically, you know, these these feral cats were introduced by the Europeans. They were not here with us right. as, as native, um, you know, indigenous aborigines and whatever to the, the continent of Australia. And, you know, they are culling them and they can't keep up because they're so pervasive. And this continues right. to be an issue. But as you said, the natives appreciate that these cats are wiping out entire species. Um, once a species is wiped out, that's it. There's no bringing them back. Um, you know, we haven't quite perfected that in terms of a lab yet. But, you know, it, it's happening and it's not unique to the Cayman Islands. It's happening elsewhere. And yes, the native people are, you know, you can do it humanely, but they it's a big appreciate challenge for many the islands, to island do it. states, nations. Yeah, and we've talked about that as well because islands are particularly, I mean, a lot of islands have uh, ecosystems and species that have developed because they've been separated um, for, you know, ever from, from mean lands. Uh, we have right, very unique have ecosystems. Predators. Yeah. They, do, they don't have, right. they don't have, so they're, they're, they have, they have a very unique, very unique. Um, Jonathan species, says, don't worry about the cry baby people. They're going to get over it. What a they're mess. used to the predation. Yeah. Right, um, right. Hawaii is a good I, example, and there the, the indigenous fought a, a battle and went went to the uh, legislature in order to have the cull instated. And that was indigenous elders who went and for a couple, a couple of years, well, four years or something, they were doing the same thing with um, the Humane Society and stuff like that. The same people who were in favor of the, and it just wasn't working. And they had the same thing. There are no yeah. severe land predators. They have ground nesting birds and they were seeing the decline in numbers. And it was indigenous elders who went to bat for their other yeah. native relatives, which are these animals. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. so if we're going to be native, if we're going to call ourselves native, Let's start living like how Native yeah. people do and let's protect Natives. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Thank folks. you both for uh, airing. Thank you yes, very much. absolutely. Have a and great I, day. And I see um, we You're do there. have a hard stop today at 9.30 because today is the day that Miss Tiffany Conley will find out what the court is doing with her. So I've got to get to court this morning. So 9.30, we got to cut it. But we will play a video after that. I think um, Kevin's going to jump in and end the show after for me. But we do have a video uh, that's a combination of what is happening here um, on our island with these cats. They have camera footage. They've caught them doing these very things. I mean, I think as Eden rightfully said, um, you know, people who say that, uh, oh, my cat is well-fed and he's not doing anything, you have no idea. Try putting a, a, a pet camera on that cat and watch their movement 24 seven. Yeah. Now I see a lot of you in relation to the caller who called in about the housing issue saying, we've got all these other important issues. Yes, we do. And trust me, I would rather today be talking about probably anything else, but this is I, I a, an I... issue now that we have the, the Humane Society, which by the way, can I just say to the Humane Society, 
I ran into one of their board members um, a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to call any names. And this person said to me, you know, we've we've come to accept that this is going to be necessary and this is going to have to be done. It's only after weeks of the community being up in arms about it that now they seem to have changed their position and asking for repeal of a law or regulations that are already in place. And I'm like, didn't this board member just tell me that the board had accepted that this was a necessary evil? You know, sometimes I feel like people, whether it's NPOs, environmental groups, animal groups, sometimes they also have an agenda of their own. And it's sometimes they're just trying to be people pleasers yeah. instead of dealing with the reality. This is just my opinion. This has nothing to do with the premier. I'm telling you guys what yeah. I think. And, and me, so I think they I... bow to pressure, just like politicians sometimes bow to pressure. They bow to pressure from a vocal minority when they need to just hold their ground. Anyway, I, I, I have to say that I was very disappointed um, in this letter from the Humane Society on this issue. Um, I found it to be nothing but um, sound bites designed to be sensational, um, not accurate, um, glossing over a lot of very important details and facts. Um, so I am going to provide um, today a response to the Humane Society. Um, obviously, I, I am not going to take the same approach where it's going to be one page um, with sound bites. I'm going to provide um, more details. But I'm very disappointed in, in their approach. Um, you know, as you noted, I, I understood that was a position of the Humane Society. None of us like to have to do this. Um, and so I'm not surprised that they would not be particularly happy about having to to cull cats, um, feral cats, mm -hmm. but to to at this point issue this kind of letter, um, it seems to undermine to me. It undermines their credibility as a legitimate organization that has done really really good work in Cayman, and it flies in the face entirely with their own published remit. If you look at their website and you see what they're talking about. They're talking about controlling the population of animals to, to help to protect Cayman's own endemic, important endemic species. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going to have to point out to them some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I will also say that last year in June, um, there was a trapping and culling um, which occurred in Little Cayman again. And one of the staff members of the Humane Society was invited along, went along with the team of, of you know, the veterinary surgeon and those, those other members who were dealing with this issue in Little Cayman to, to, to trap and, and humanely euthanize some of these animals. The reason that staff member went along was to ensure that they were satisfied that the animal was being treated humanely um, mm -hmm. and, and they didn't have any concerns around it. Now, I did not get a letter from them saying in June last year or in July last year saying, you know, last month one of our staff members went along, um, observed this. We're really concerned about, you know, the humane treatment of, of these feral cats um, and the way they're being um, called. Please, please address us. I got nothing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. First thing I know about their view on this is a letter which they posted on social media mm -hmm. addressed to me specifically 
uh, making all these inflammatory um, little soundbite statements saying that I've regressed animal welfare in the country by these regulations. You know, it's nonsense. Well, Carlos, this, this, these regulations don't actually deal with welfare, by the way. Welfare is dealt with under the, the animal act. law. But clearly, the clearly, if this, it, yeah, the animal act. So clearly, if you know, if there was an issue, their staff member should have been able to identify this in June last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very disappointed. But you know, this is I, I think this represents probably a small element of the humane society who um, have sort of taken over this issue. And, and run with it and, and drafting this this sort of um mm-hmm. this this kind of letter with all these inaccuracies and trying to be sensational about it. Um, all right. Nobody's happy call. about this. Yeah. But it's important that we get it done. Yes. So we do we do have a caller and we also have Charles Whitaker, Carlos Whitaker, my apologies, saying that in the 1970s, stray dogs were roaming our famous seven mile beach. When they started attacking tourists, we at the agriculture department were given tranquilizer guns to hunt them down and euthanize them. Wow. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Hello, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, uh, Mr. Wayne. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are yes, you doing? Good, sir. Good, sir. This is Jonathan talking to you. Um, Jonathan, yes, Adam, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I understand the position that you and the Department of Environment are in. We all know the history with the various groups um, standing in the way of what, in my humble opinion, has always been a, a, a necessary action to be taken. There is also, Mr. Wayne, truth uh, being spoken as it pertains to the other factors mm-hmm. that has resulted in the death, uh, you know, the destruction and the near extinction of not only the booby birds, but a lot of the native wildlife that we have here in Cayman. And one of them is is the wanton development of coastal regions and where more often than not you see the entire coastline be altered uh, where yeah so it habitat was being allowed to be there and, you know there's other factors at play sir um and i'd like to to just steer a little bit away from the seabird situation for a moment and point out a couple things there um we have here on Grand Cayman particularly, we have what is called Croton Scale, which has decimated and destroyed the, the, the birch trees. The only reason they survive mainly is because they're deciduous and the leaves come back from the damage. And the wild fig. One of the things that has happened, and thus far there's no real impetus to, to deal with it, is that the, the food for a lot of our native, indigenous, and also migratory birds has been taken away from them by this disease. Now, I, I can tell you for a fact, I've seen my little piece of ground up in East End, the, the wild bird population decreased by easily 85%. That's just my my observation. I have seen people come and throw away their unwanted cats and dogs around by where I am up in that, that area. That is definitely a part of it. Thus far, I've, I haven't been able to bring myself to kill a cat, but I also can can agree with the government's position that it is necessary. Uh, so I, I support that initiative, but I also would ask for a, a more 
a wider view of all of the, the factors that are in play, whether it be here in Grand Cayman, on Cayman Rock, or in Little Cayman, collectively. So I, I do support it. Um, one quick suggestion to you, sir, as it pertains to the rat issue, and we all know that they are very destructive. Mm -hmm. There's a product called the Good Nature A24, which is powered by a little CO2 cartridge, and it's a very quick, non-toxic way of dispatching rats in large numbers. And um, I, I would suggest to you to please ask Miss Gina to, to look into that product as a possible solution for a test to... Uh, they're not cheap, but they work very well, and you end up with something that will kill the rats, and then whatever's left of our 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 owl or, or raptor population comes in, and they can eat the thing without being poisoned, and they they, they themselves die. Mm -hmm. But I'd, I'd just like to say, Mr. Wayne, that if we are going to approach this, we have to look at all of the factors. I I know you're well aware of that. Um, but the overdevelopment is definitely a part of the problem. Uh, I don't see you as diminishing that, but I also want to point out that I would like to see you um, um, identifying that as one of the issues as well to bring more of a broad approach to this, which is necessary to point out all of the factors. I do not agree. I do not agree whatsoever with with the steps that the Cayman Islands Humane Society has, has taken. I, I think that they, along with other specific lobbyist groups, need to have a more objective approach to this. And there are other things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it needs to be looked at holistically. Mm -hmm. So personally, I 100% agree that a call needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I really hope, Mr. Wayne, that you will forward this information in regards to the rats, because there's been this there's been this anecdote that you you take away the cats, then all the rats are going to over, overpopulate. I know different. Mm -hmm. However, because mm -hmm. um, in fact the rats are just good at hiding when the cats are out, so to speak, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, no, so... the cats cats are excellent predators. Yeah, and they're they're going to take the easiest the easiest prey that they can, and rats are difficult. Mm -hmm. um, difficult prey, they're extremely intelligent. Um, mm -hmm. But they are an issue. They're destructive. Yes. They're destructive to wildlife. They're destructive to crops, so on and so forth. So I hope that that little suggestion will be taken on board, Mr. Wayne. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. That, thank you much. Can I, can and, I, uh, you have a good day. Thank you so much. Really appreciate yeah, that. Appreciate that. So, folks, uh, lots of people calling in now. Um, we've got just about 15 minutes left in the program. So um, just want to read a few comments as well, trying to balance everything that we've got uh, being thrown at us. So let me just see. So Johan Moxham is weighing in on the discussion this morning. Johan has said from quite early on, something drastic has to be done. Are they prepared to adopt the feral cats and cage the wild chickens? There's true, they are truly a public nuisance and something drastic has to be done. He goes on to say, um, da, 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 da. when animal rights of any invasive animal, sorry, when animal rights of any invasive wild animal are deemed more important, that care and concern for your fellow man, I think that's supposed to be than care and concern for your fellow man, I think it's fair to say that things have swung too far in a particular direction. 
He also says the premier of the Cayman Islands is on a radio talking about drastic measures to curb wild animals and regulations. Um, yes, uh, that had a poor PR strategy, not a civil servant in sight to explain their rule and PR FUPA. Uh, we do not have a world-class civil service. There are multiple examples of this. Today is another example. KY is not a real place. Hashtag <clears throat> repent. Hashtag end of days. Oh, Lord. Johan also says, did anyone object to the culling of green iguanas? We've got a caller on the line. Uh-oh, I think so. Good morning. Hi, caller. Hello? Caller? Hello, good morning. Hi, morning. Hello, good, good morning. morning. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Morning. Good morning to um, our Honorable Premier right there. Um, good, calling good regarding, morning to you there. Thank I know you. I don't know if it's a specific topic or it's an yes, open mic. Yes, it or, is. Can is we it keep... an open mic? Or, no, no, or, no, or... no. No, we want to try to keep it <laughs> okay. to the feral cats and yes. chickens today. Oh, well, I, I, I will talk. I was going to get bring the top of the indigenous species. I was going to ask the one ask the premier what he was on. I he's best one to ask the question. Mm-hmm. You want to know what I know that regarding the water sports industry, um, regarding the water sports industry and the taxes, what time now we have a moratorium and what time are they going to put a law in place that only indigenous Kimanians Mm-hmm. Indigenous Kimanians be protected because right now we, as we know, we have, uh, we got a new new thing coming in place now with the luxuries down at Red Carlton. Do you think that there's any Kimanians that's going to be able to get any more business from that area as long as they put that policy in place? Mm-hmm. I want to leave it there and I'll, I'll listen on the radio for it. Thank okay. you. All right. Um, thank you so much. So um, someone says... Um, you know, that we should be talking about other issues. I responded to them and I said, well, if you guys would get off of this feral cats and chicken situation, we could. And the response, well, was if they were doing this for years, obviously it's not working. Let us be very clear about what the factual position is. They have done it in the past and they've done it for years. However, they stopped because of opposition from animal rights groups who decided to bring a judicial review against the Department of Environment. Even a couple years, please stay tuned for the video that's going to be coming up here shortly, folks. Even stopping a culling program for a couple years allows these ferocious breeders to overpopulate to a position that you'd be shocked at. So the position right now is most urgent, especially on the sister islands. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're very, very clear about why this has to start in earnest. The um, Department of uh, Environment, I think, needs to do more education about how they're euthanizing the cats. For those of you who are concerned that it might not be done in a you know humane way, maybe we need to do a drive along with them if you guys want to see it to make sure that oh. it meets your medical standards. I don't know what will satisfy you, but it is something that is necessary. And sometimes, folks, you've got to bend the tree in order to have it grow in a particular direction. So just anything in life, sometimes, you know, you've got to do something that's going to be a little bit painful at the moment, but the end result is what you're eventually trying to get to. So we just have a couple moments left in the program. Let me clarify something again as it relates to the misunderstanding of the regulations. So the penalties which are being described, for example, by the Humane Society, 
as disproportionate or intended for the worst case possible offenses under the National Conservation Act. And by the way, there are a number of penalties, not just in relation to cats and, and chickens, okay? The Alien Species Regulations adopted in November of 2022 provided that an offense committed under these regulations be dealt with what's called a graduated penalty scheme. So in other words, first offense, you're all the way down here. Second offense, you can move up a little bit up the totem pole. Third offense, and for the people who are the worst offenders, right, they will be looking at more and more and more penalties and sentencing, et cetera. The penalties are determined by a judge based on the severity of the offense, and a judge uh, would only issue uh, penalties um, if the crime was severe. For example, feeding or breeding alien species as at an, sorry, on an industrial scale. And penalties are meant to cover a broad range of inf- offenses, including all y'all out there now, pay attention. Same ones on the show yesterday saying, don't build that road. You need to pay attention to the offenses under this um, legislation, right? Dredging quarries or other environmental damage to protected areas. So that's what the $500,000 fine, I'm sure, would be applied to if it's ever going to be applied. Not you feeding some feral cat. We need to dispel the misinformation that is in circulation in this community, right? Offenses under the National Conservation Act, there are a lot of offenses. And so this um, $500,000 plus or, or four years imprisonment, whatever it is, it doesn't just apply, um, and I don't think the intent really, is it to apply to feral cats and chickens, but a judge would make that decision. Would you not want um, a commercial, you know, institution who's dredging up the mangroves to be fined $500,000? I'm pretty sure if you thought about it, you probably would. All right, folks, just a few minutes left in the program. Ms. Amelia, I know that you were trying to call in, honey chow. Um, let's see if we can get her on the program. We need to make sure that it's on topic, first of all, and that it is a quick comment. Mr. Amelia, on topic and quick comment, feral cats and chickens. <laughs> Try and behave yourself, you know. Because I know you're not I know you're not calling about that, but that's all I want to hear about this morning. <laughs> I gotta come visit you. I know where you live, you know. Good morning, Premier. Please ignore Sandy right now. <laughs> I, I I will I will just for you and good morning to you there. My I'm really off the topic, but it's with good cause, Sandy. Uh. I'm Premier. I want to bring to your attention. I came in from um, Jamaica on Sunday night. I did not fill out mm-hmm. a form to come in a declaration form, and I walked right out. I think that's a security breach. I think it needs serious attention looking in mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we're wondering why guns and drugs are how guns and drugs are getting into our country. This simplest looking people that you think would not harm an ants or or would not do any form of crime Mm -hmm. they are the ones who are bringing these things and allowed to walk through our customs and come out into our island and let all of these things happen and i mean it's very it's just to me it's serious it should not be well even if they had a a a detector machine for people to walk through Mm-hmm. If they don't have anything to declare, their buys go through an X-ray machine, I wouldn't feel as concerned. But I am so concerned, sir, to see that people are allowed to walk out of customs without 
any form of check. And bear in mind, where they're coming from, yes, they're checked. But bear in mind, we also have criminals checking criminals, checking these people as well. So, I mean... I'm asking if there's somewhere you can look into that to have that cease because then that's a security breach. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. thank you. Um, thank you. I, I'll have to. I'd have to talk to the the director of um, the CBC in respect to that. But obviously, they you know just very quickly they obviously take different um, approaches to um, managing the risk. They do a risk assessment and they figure out how best. Um, to, to manage these risks and mm -hmm. how to, you know, how, how to give themselves the best possible chance of detecting people who are coming through with things. So they do a lot of profiling and, you know, they're, they're very um, adept. Um, they're very experienced at doing this sort of thing because we do see very often, um, you know, the prosecutions that are occurring for things like smuggling um, where they've been caught coming through. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Caymanian um, and, you say you have you're within the limits and you have nothing to declare mm -hmm. um, typically you walk through but they're keeping an eye on you you know and if they think you're acting suspiciously um they may pull you aside and do um and do a check so mm -hmm. this is this is typically the way this is addressed but i'll, I'll have a conversation with the chief officer and and, mm -hmm. and he can talk with him and see yep. with the head of and, CBC I, and see if there's and anything I think, that addressed. Um, yeah, and I think the head of CBC had said to me a few weeks ago that he actually wanted to come on the program. Caller, good morning. Welcome to the program. Help. Final yeah. call of the day. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Last but not least. Good morning. Um, <laughs> yes, morning. Good morning to the folks in the studio, mm -hmm. including Premier. Um, to Miss Welcome, who just good hung up there. there. Yes, sir. Miss Welcome, who just hung up there. Miss um, Welcome, that's up feather in your cap as far as I'm concerned to say that, um, you know, it may not be correct procedure in your eyes and my eyes, but I think that's a feather in your cap also, ma'am. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. based upon what Premier just said, just hold that as a feather in your cap that your folks could look at you and know which we can weave her through even though we know procedurally, I mm -hmm. think it is not quite, you know, quite right. But I call that a feather in your cap, ma'am. You have a nice day. Thank you so much, caller. Premier Panton, uh, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Like I said, folks, we got to cut it short. We got things to do. We do have RMR says the fake outrage and likes have gone on for far too long. I encourage our government led by our honorable premier to fast track the cat calling. Uh, Dean, good morning to you. Late this morning, but still here, says good morning to the premier. Um, Mr. Amelia, we'll, we'll have CBC on and you can talk about those criminals all you want. And Jonathan feels like wasted so much time on this cat subject. Can we talk about something more interesting like the referendum? Jonathan, that will have to be saved for another day. Uh, Premier Panton, thank you for coming in the program, folks. We want to encourage you to stay tuned because we've got video footage for those of you who believe the cats are innocent and they're not doing anything. The, the cat cams have proven otherwise. So we have those coming up. Premier Panton, welcome back to um, Premier Access Thursdays. We try to do it every other Thursday. I know that we missed the month of January, but we're in full swing now. And we got lots of topics to cover, everything from yep. housing, employment, uh, rental abuses, the list goes on and on and on. So um, what can I say? Yep, well, you've said a lot, Sandy, and thank you very much. Thank you for your um, support as usual. And and you, you know, the way that you, 
you inform yourself, you know, you educate yourself on these issues um, so that you can actually contribute very meaningfully um, to, the, to the discussion and uh, assist listeners in, you know, clarifying what the issues are and, and what the facts are around them. Um, this has been an enjoyable time this morning with you. I'm glad to be back. I promise you I will I will um, record that intro for you um, so, that it, <laughs> yes. so that it's accurate. We have a new one there. Um, so we'll get that done. And I want to just thank all of those people who have been um, participating this morning, those who are listening, those who have commented and called in. Um, it is re really um, heartening to know that there are people who are willing to listen and understand and and not be overreactive and not not respond to the um, sensationalism that some some people are engaged in. Unfortunately, um, this has not been a pleasant thing to be talking about. Um, as I said to you, I'm you know it's not something that I would want to have to do, but it is something that clearly is necessary. It has mm -hmm. it's a problem that has developed. Um, well, there are well-meaning people. Um, they believe in in trapping, neutering, and releasing cats, um, something which they would never do in relation to dogs. So I, you know, that is, to me, that's an illogical and irrational um, distinction that, that even the humane society seems to be making. So mm -hmm. I don't quite understand why they're coming at this with this, this sort of contradictory um, position. But the reality is feral cats are a problem and they have to be addressed. I know everybody who's involved with this, um, from the director all the way down, we all have our animals, we all, we all love our animals. Um, but we all have to understand that there are certain responsibilities and certain things that we have to do both um, individually, as well as collectively as a country to ensure that our own indigenous um, Caymanian species are protected. And yes, there are. There will be lots of time for another program, uh, probably several programs, to talk about um, you know protecting the uh, the Caymanians, our indigenous Caymanians. Um, but I think people need to understand as well that a Caymanian mm -hmm. is a person who has Caymanian status, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yes, there are some of us who are who have been here a lot longer, um, but at the end of the day, once we all have status, we're all in the same level. Um, and it's sometimes it's get well. Let's put it this way: it's getting more and more difficult to to recognize um, other people as mm -hmm. Caymanians, and we just can't make assumptions that that um, certain people that we see are not Caymanians and don't have the same rights that we have. So, thank All you right. again, um, thank you Sandy. Very much. I really appreciate it. It's been a great, great discussion, and I look forward to uh, lots of other really important discussions. And interaction with with um, the public um it's been it's been wonderful so thank you i want to say i want to wish everybody a wonderful thursday um and of course we've got a weekend coming up uh, next week we're going to have um is it the next week or the following week we'll, we'll have i think it's been indicated that there will be a royal visit um mm -hmm. and then we'll have the okay. agriculture show um, mm -hmm. So lots of good things coming up um, over the coming weeks for us to be engaged in. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have to make sure that we're addressing the issues that are really important to our people 
that make a difference in their lives every single day. That's what this government is here to try to address. Thank appreciate you. it. Have a great day. Love to Thank all. you, Premier Panton. All right, folks. Um, again, I have got a job to do on your behalf this morning. Really, really important breaking news. Um, we might even come live from you at the courthouse as the verdict comes in for Miss Cayman. So I'm going to go pull on my pants. I'm not pantsless, but I'm wearing shorts. So I'm going to pull on my proper attire and jet out the front door. But in the meantime, here's a video. This is a compilation of um, photos, video from Department of Environment. They've captured the cats in the act. They put little cat cams on them. And as they say, you know, sometimes you really don't know what's going on until you put on that hidden camera, honey chill. Some y'all need inside your homes too. But anyway, we won't go there this morning. And there's also um, an educational video. There's one from PETA and there's one from a guy who explains the concept of the capture, spade and release and why it doesn't work scientifically. It doesn't work. And I want y'all to listen to what he has to say. He has on his whiteboard. He's making notes. So y'all have a beautiful day until tomorrow morning. Um, stay blessed, not stressed. And I'll talk to you then. Calico and the tabby. There must be part of the Welcome to Whiteboard Friday. It's a new week and a new angle for our whiteboard. This is innovation, folks. This week we're talking about trap neuter return. So this is the SPCA's policy where they trap stray cats new to them and return them into stray cat colonies. So this is a policy that Maggie Barry has, was speaking yesterday at Zealandia about and has come out against 
this policy of trap, neuter, return. Now first up, if you're wondering what a colony of stray cats looks like, well we actually got some footage from the Wellington region. So this is under the house of a Wellington resident. There was a stray cat colony near this house and the woman uh, who lived there was feeling sorry for the cats, decided to start feeding them out of the goodness of her own heart and of course the problem just multiplied from there. So let's hear what Maggie Barry had to say about this issue. I think it's one of the most foolish and counterproductive techniques I've ever heard. She goes on to say, cats that have been spayed and released are a big problem. If the SPCA capture wild cats, they should be put down in a humane way or they should offer them to people. John Key's response was to have a conversation with his cat. The SPCA's response is that they are looking to see how the, the welfare of native birds could be alongside that of stray cats and dogs. It's a little bit like walking into the Gaza Strip and saying, kumbaya guys, can't we just get along? Well, actually we know the evidence on this policy of trap neuter return because the New Zealand Vets Association have done a major study looking at all the international evidence on it. Let's hear what they found. Trap neuter return would not be a judicious strategy for the majority of stray cats, as it is costly, does not stop predation of wildlife by cats, and has little effect on the spread of diseases. They go on to say there's also little evidence that clearly shows TNR improves cat welfare or results in a population decline on a broad scale. Let's have a quick look at the numbers behind the work that the uh, NZ Vets Association has done. And the key number you need to know is that actually cats breed really fast. A couple of cats can very quickly, within a year, have 12 kittens, and that goes on exponential. So that's three litters, totaling about 12 kittens over a year. So New Zealand has somewhere between 200,000 and 1 million stray cats in the country. Some people think it's probably more at the top end. In Rotorua alone, the SPCA has said that there are roughly 40 to 50,000 stray cats. These are unowned cats hanging around towns. And because cats breed so quickly, to manage these sorts of numbers, these sorts of uh, populations of cats, you need to neuter roughly 90% of the population. Now the SPCA's current trap neuter return policy only neuters a small fraction of these, a tiny fraction of these, so we're nowhere near the level that is needed to get the cat population under control. Again, another figure from uh, an Auckland cat charity is that they estimate that there are one million unowned kittens born every year in Auckland. Very sadly, the majority of these die. So the SPCA's trap neuter return policy really just pushes the stray cat problem onto other charities. We know that because again this same Auckland charity roughly takes care of 9,000 stray cats per year and they are really just scratching at the surface. So you can see that trap neuter return on a, on a, cannot reduce the cat population 
on a broad scale. It really can't deal with the scale of the stray cat population, simply because you have to neuter 90% of cats to have any impact, otherwise they will just keep breeding. And to make matters worse, in a lot of these colonies, they are feeding these stray cats, which of course just attracts more stray cats and allows them to breed even more. So you need a lot of people a lot of crazy cat ladies to manage these stray colonies and to make them very effective. And certain, there are certain studies which shown that they have been effective on a very small scale in the United States. But again, they need a lot of people monitoring these cats to make sure that, that enough of them are sufficiently you know, uh, spayed or neutered and that they are properly looked after. So it's incredibly expensive. That's the NZVA's other point. In fact, one study shows that it is cheaper to pay people to euthanize cats than it is to have an army of volunteers operating tra trap, neuter, and return. Sadly, it is just a far cheaper way to get our stray cat population under control. You know, this, this trap, neuter, return policy is also bad for cats. It's bad for pet cats because these stray cats spread disease. And also the life that these stray cats have is often punctuated by disease, accidents and fights between them. So their welfare is not that great either. It's bad for cats and that's why a lot of cat loving societies actually say that every cat should be an own cat. Or as we say, every cat should be in a lap. No problem with cats in general, but we should definitely make sure that they're all owned and that, and that owners are responsible with them. And finally, trap neuter return is unequivocally bad for wildlife. After all, these cats may be neutered, but it doesn't stop them from hunting. As a famous advocate in the United States pointed out, we're not worried about these cats making love to native wildlife. We're worried about them killing our native wildlife. So neutering them does not help in that respect. And it's no point wishful thinking that these guys, these cats, don't kill our native wildlife. So sorry SPCA, but it's time to end trap neuter return. It doesn't reduce the population, it's expensive, it's bad for cats, and it's bad for our native wildlife. Trap neuter release, or TNR, may sound nice, but the grim reality for the estimated 80 million homeless cats struggling to survive outdoors is far worse than it sounds. Stray and feral cats don't die of old age. The average lifespan of a free-roaming cat is just one to five years, compared to 12 to 20 years for a cat who's kept safely indoors and taken to the vet when ill or injured. Every day, Cats outdoors get hit by cars, which often doesn't kill them outright, but still causes immense suffering until they succumb to their injuries. Homeless cats also die of dehydration when summer heat dries up their water source, or when water freezes in winter for days at a time. And they suffer from malnutrition and starvation when internal parasites consume them from the inside out, causing a slow and painful death. Common conditions like upper respiratory infections, urinary obstructions, flea infestations, ear mites, and abscesses can become deadly when left untreated. Free-roaming cats are also attacked by roaming dogs. 
and abused and killed by human beings, many of whom consider cats a nuisance and do terrible things to them, poisoning them with antifreeze, shooting them, and more. Feral and homeless cats are not super felines. They're identical to the cats who share our homes, and they deserve to be treated with the same care and respect. If we wouldn't throw our own cats out onto the mean streets, we shouldn't agree with abandoning any cat to that fate. Bust the trap-neuter abandon fantasy. Keep cats indoors, spay and neuter, and help pass and get enforced ordinances that require responsible cat guardianship. Visit PETA.org to learn how you can prevent the suffering of homeless cats, humanely and responsibly. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 